This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as most of the time, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Doug. Doug, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, all you wonderful mutant goons from beyond in this ooey-gooey October episode. So, buddy, how are you? It's been a week since you were on, and I feel like, you know, I had phantom limb syndrome when I had Adrian on last week. I was like, where's my dog? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, last week I got caught up in work. Things have been going to hell. You know, I won't say where I work, but uh, I could care less if it burned down the, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> if it burned down, they would just shove you in a basement and make you do the same job with fire atop you. I have a, a sneaking suspicion. Oh, yeah. And they'd say, well, you're out of sick hours, so you got to get back up soon. Yeah. And the hours in the flaming basement don't count towards your 401k benefits. Oh, God. Yeah. Speaking of which, my job, they um, throughout the company, they issued us 80 hours of they call it PERS time. So personal time. And uh, when people are trying to go use it, they say, oh, it's only 80 hours if you get diagnosed with COVID. So what? Like, well, what the? Yeah, I'm like, I never heard that before. So I'm like, anyone got some COVID around here? I need to use this 80 hours of personal time. Seriously, can you cough in my face, please? Just find one of those fucking people that has. I saw one. I'm going to say this. I'm not going to say which political candidate, but I watched a video where somebody had uh, taken a flag of a certain political candidate and fashioned it into a cape around their neck, walked through a grocery store. This person wasn't wearing a mask. I'm not going to give it away which political candidate has followers like that, but find that person and have them cough in your face and boom, you get two weeks paid vacation. Yeah, it works for me. I yeah, Was that happened to be at a Stater Brothers? I think it was people of Walmart, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, people of Walmart. Okay, well, never ceases to fail then. Oh, yeah. I mean, the gooey, gory goodness. Where I grew up, we had a 24-hour Walmart. And so if you needed anything, you were making like a food run or you needed Gatorade or whatever, that's where you went at three in the morning. And the things that I have seen, you can't unsee, especially like the era before cell phone cameras were great. Because that's the only time that I would go to Walmart would be like the times where I couldn't go to like some swanky place like Target. And God damn, I've watched people, I've watched strangers piss themselves in aisles. I mean, and stuff that would make me cringe, even though I am a rampant horror fan. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the 24 hour Walmart. Most of them, you uh, you go there around 2 a.m. with your shopping list. It's milk, eggs and uh, heroin. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ah, have, I don't know if I've told this story on the show. Do you know my favorite Guns N' Roses song? Uh, no, you never told me that. It's Night Train, which uh, some people have mistaken for a heavy narcotic. It's actually about boxed wine. And so once I was on Sunset Boulevard and I was talking to my friends about this song and none of them had ever heard the song Night Train. And so I sing a little bit of it like, come on, like you have to know this. Some dude, junkie, jumps out from behind a tree, needle still dangling from his arm, starts singing along with me. We finish the entire song. He asks me for a cigarette. I say, oh, you have one behind your ear. He takes it, likes it, and walks away. And I'm still, I, I wish that I had some proof that that actually happened because it sounds like one of those phantasmagorical stories that like somebody from Kentucky tells people like, oh, I've been to the Sunset Strip. You'd never believe what I saw. But I swear an oath on Monster Squad, the holiest of holies that that did happen. Well, no, I believe you. I've, I've seen weirder things. I've seen people taking shits down the street right around where I live. Yeah. So, yeah, I believe it. So, I mean, you've been to L.A. Everybody always acts like it's glitz and glam. Maybe it's just my nose, but does LA usually smell like hot piss to you? 
It smells like hot piss and it smells like a uh, like shitty cardboard. <laughs> yes, it does. That's yeah. a very astute observation. Yeah, no, have you been down there recently? Like within these past months, like downtown LA? No, I've just it's apparently it's like Thunderdome down there from what I've heard. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's the typical, uh, you remember the opening to RoboCop 2 where it's like just everyone running and there's an old lady with a shopping cart filled with recyclables. And Hell the cart yes. just hits her. That's what it reminded me of because Hollywood Boulevard, I, I believe is still all shuttered. So when I was down there, yeah, it was like the, it was like RoboCop 2. That's what it reminded me of. Man, I'm a big RoboCop guy. Have you ever read any of the RoboCop comics? I've glamored through uh, bits and pieces. Uh, it's kind of like the one I think you mentioned last time where it was Beetlejuice versus Ghostbusters, or I think it was, that's what we were talking about last time. Yeah. So. Army of Darkness, too. Army of Darkness. There yeah. we go. But I mean, that's one of the great things. Like, I really love how I see a lot of comic book artists and stuff just doing their own content and using that as like basically their business card. So using like more mainstream metadata, they put out their content, then it gets you know, big traction. Obviously, they can't make money off of it directly, but almost like a comic, but like fan film style. And then taking that and, and leveraging it into their next project. So tons of really cool indie comics. I mean, one of my favorites of all time is JL8, which it's just a comic about like the justice league as little kids and it's mm-hmm. like super well done and very clever and insightful and, and heartwarming and it's one of those things where it's like i care more about these fucking you know fictional children's versions of these characters than i do you know their adult versions that have existed since the 30s mm. well i mean hey that's pretty cool where, where do you get those comics at or you can uh since they don't really make money yeah, they don't actually sell them, so it's a lot of us online stuff. But you can find Reddit's a good treasure trove too. Looking at fan stuff, try to avoid Rule Thirty Four. It's a different kind of fan art. Uh, it's probably the kind that's coated in goo, a little bit of bukkake. But you know, that's all cool if you're into it. Rule Thirty Four must be uh, some uh, hardcore tentacle hentai. There we go. <laughs> the rule of the internet: there's porn of everything, and if not, you have to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all the weeaboo stuff, right? I've seen enough of that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's rampant. But hey, to each their own. I mean, you know, it's it's really funny. I had uh, somebody one time was attacking a friend of mine who's a hentai guy. And uh, they're like, oh, well, how does it make you feel that uh, this hentai that you like was probably drawn by like a gross, sweaty guy? Huh? And I was like, how does it make you feel that the hot woman who you've had sex with came out of a hot, sweaty guy's ball sack? Like, <laughs> sorry, it's not much better, dude. Uh, and what does he say? Oh, bro, that's gay. Yeah, right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Rampant homophobia it drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw a meme that made me laugh. It was like one of those things. It's like, it's like, wait a minute, I'm banging this chick. And then I just realized she came out of her dad's penis. Does that make me gay? Very much so. <laughs> the gayest. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also super funny. Like I remember with Prop 8 when that was a thing many eons ago, people being like, oh, you know, if, if you let gayness exist, you're going to have to teach kids about gayness. And I'm like, okay, Hercules, a beloved Disney classic, right? That dude fucked so many dudes. Achilles fucked dudes. Gilgamesh fucked dudes. Zeus fucked dudes. So if you teach accurate, you know, history and mythology, you're talking about dudes fucking all the time. Get over it. Yeah, no, it's this gener- it's uh, not even this generation, it's just this country where it's like, oh my god, you can't say anything that's upsetting our Lord and Savior, Jesus H. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always very wary of the Jesus H. Christ guy because it's just like, it, to me, it seems like there's statutory regulations with the Old Testament and the New Testament, and people cherry pick what they like, and I never like that. But whatever. Let's move on to something a little more fun. 
Have you done anything yeah. at all to celebrate for Halloween this year as we're rapidly approaching? I have. Yes. In fact, um, Hire and I, we set up our place uh, on our balcony and then downstairs from our townhouse. We uh, we set it up a uh, coronavirus themed. So we've got uh, doctors with syringes. We have a zombie. Uh, I believe zombie. I call him Fauci. Ha, but, nice. Uh, he, he, he's out there. And then I have a Jason X uh, mask that I put on a dummy. So it's a weird mix of uh, not Jason X. Jason goes to hell. I going to so say Jason mix. X. How fancy. No, no. I bought it. I bought the mask at Walmart for like 12 bucks. Yeah. So it's a Jason goes to hell mannequin with the coronavirus skeletons. So it's a mishmash. I don't really know what to make of it, but it was something. I fucking love that. That's awesome. Do you have your Karen doll from your Friday night action out there yelling at people and not wearing a mask? Oh, no. Well, she she can't be outside. She gets an attitude and wants to speak to the manager. I have her up on my uh, shelf, though. She has a little flower bandana. She's Carol Baskin this year. Oh, very nice. You better yeah, watch out, all, though, uh, because if you have a male puppet, she will feed it to a tiger. Yeah. And I was going to say that's uh, that's going to be a majority of these uh, Karens this year. You're going to see them all like, oh, I'm so cool. I'm a Karen. I watch Hocus Pocus and I'm just as Carol Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Actually, we were talking about showing Hocus Pocus to my daughter and my wife who reviewed it last year was like, the movie's fucking boring. It's <laughs> just like, what? You said you liked it not a year ago. And I just think that we're all just too fucking impatient. It's like, nah, it's just I'm just going to watch. Watch Shit's Creek and fall asleep. Yeah. No, no. I mean, uh, Hocus Pocus, I still enjoy it as a kid, but I feel like when it, since it became more popular, now you see like the, the merchandising at, at Spirit Halloween. Yeah. I feel like it's it's a great Halloween movie, uh, but now it's been taken over and held hostage by the Halloween Karens. Yeah, of course. So I feel like it's a, one of those things like, oh, live, love, laugh, and I'm going to brunch with my wine, and I'm going to watch Hocus Pocus. <sighs> I like to be a little risky on the weekends. I might have a rosé. Yeah, I know exactly the type <laughs> that you're thinking. But that's yeah. what, exactly what happened to me with Nightmare Before Christmas. I'll never forget. Mm. I had to go to four different fucking stores as a kid to get a Nightmare Before Christmas action figure. And I ended up getting from one of those, you remember the shitty little toys where it had like the little wire armature inside and it didn't have any hinges or anything like that. It was basically just a stationary thing you could pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I, I remember that. Um, they had a bunch of like Easter Bunny ones and Santa ones, but they exactly. had like basically paperclip uh wire inside of them. Exactly. And so I had to settle for those. So, like I was like OG, super obsessed with Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'll never forget in high school, like the Moody Girl started, and I was like, oh god damn it. And I, you know, you get older and you start to lessen your severity towards those things, and you're just like, who cares what people like? But man, that first time when you have something that you're obsessed with and people just like bastardize it it's like come on like you don't fucking deserve to like this like you aren't cool and so i could definitely see that happening with like something like hocus pocus which at the time it came out complete fucking failure and now people are like oh my god it's the best movie ever i have a tattoo of the three hairstyles of the women <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a karen and also <laughs> let's talk about this confused boner town that's what that movie should be called because when i was a kid i felt like sarah jessica parker was like the hottest thing that ever came out of a sweaty dude's nutsack and then everybody made fun of her for having a horse face so i didn't i wasn't sure if i was a secretly into bestiality or what when i became a teenager <laughs> what's that all about yeah, I don't know. I think we all crushed on Sarah Jessica Parker in that movie. That was before she did all that surgery on her face. So, you know, I I enjoyed it. There, and there's some good uh, weird boner segments in that one, too. It, it's, you know, what I mean, it's like an all audience film, but then they have a, an, they're referencing an underage kid. It's like, you're a virgin, aren't you? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, yeah, he's like in sixth grade. I actually heard a, a drinking game. And one of the things is specifically when Danny, the little girl mentions Yabos, which are titties. <laughs> 
Like that's something that's fun. And that's a Disney movie. It's just how it happened. And they have a depiction of Satan. Like that's just so fun to me. Like I, I love it. Yeah, there's a joke too with the bus driver. I remember whenever we watched it last year, when he stops, he opens up the door and the three witches are done. They're like, we desire children. He's like, it might take me a while, but I think I could get some. Of right? <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, man. Are there any other traditional Halloween movies you only watch like during the Halloween season? There are actually. There's a f- one I, I really like to watch every Halloween. I know it's now become popular again. Halloween three. I feel like that's. That's one that's extremely, uh, whereas, you know, the Michael Myers ones are more about Michael Myers. This one feels like a Halloween, like an autumn film. Yes. You know what I mean? So kind of like trick or treat is like you watching just kind of smell the aroma of, of Halloween. Yeah. And fun fact, we actually had the episode with Jordan from the Cult Sounds who reviewed the Halloween three season of The Witch. And so I actually rewatched that for his episode. And God, the opening credits with that fall. I mean, it is the fucking song from the Misfits Halloween. It's like brown leaf vertigo where the skeletal <laughs> life is known yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean it, it's great and like i said it, it's starting to become well it has been more popular since scream factory put out the blu-ray but uh yeah so there's that one and there's another weird one too that i actually like it's it doesn't have anything to do with really the holiday but uh, every year I watch it, it's it's Silver Bullet. Have you ever seen Silver Bullet? Of course I've seen Silver Bullet. That's an excellent werewolf film, my good friend. It is, yeah. I mean, it feels more like a 4th of July movie. But, I could definitely uh, see through- that. Yeah, it goes through all the seasons, and I think the reason it, it sticks with me, and you know, for you people listening too, if you read like a, a book when you're a kid around the holidays, it just kind of sticks with you. Because I read Cycle of the Werewolf, yeah, and that's what that's the Stephen King novel that uh, he did based off that. It was around Halloween, so I think since I was in sixth or seventh grade, I. Uh, yeah, it's been a tradition to watch Silver Bullet every Halloween. One of my favorites for this time of year has always been Scream. I mm. I truly love the Scream franchise. And, you know, the later installments are hokey, but I mean, I just I love the premise. And one of the things that's fun is you could laugh at it within and without. You know, you can be the armchair person who's seen two horror movies your whole life and still find it fun. Uh, but then you could be like the true, you know, goonish horror fans like us and be like oh when they do the trivia at the beginning of the movie that's such a fun scene because how many times have you like had to bear witness to some like douchebag guy trying to like mansplain to a female horror fan and be like oh is that your boyfriend's michael myers shirt like do you even know the difference who what mask is the michael myers mask based on like what is it paint and you're like god damn it it's william shatner Everyone fucking knows that. Like, calm the fuck down. Get off your high horse. And so I just love that this, like, it. it's every person is like, it's like what South Park tries to do where every person is made fun of. And it just feels so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to think too. Scream, uh, you know, Wes Craven probably was bombarded with so many questions like that, you know. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna turn this into a movie." All these dumb questions. <laughs> Seriously, and you look at that guy's life like it's that's such a bizarre guy. Where you look at his upbringing, where he was only able to watch like Disney movies, and then like the first movie he makes, it's not Stag, is fucking Last House on the Left, and you're like, "Wait, what?" And, you know, he just is a guy who you know, distilled horror to like a perverse degree. And so for a guy who did like that and then the hills have eyes and then you end up with Scream where it's like basically turning the genre on his head. And he's a guy who helped advance the genre significantly. And there's something really poetic about that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because I was going to say after Scream, then all the other movies from the '90s, they always had like the, um, the it always said hip and sexy. Yep. Remember, and it has the uh, the profile side of the actors all looking like the whole cast on the cover. I'm like, well, is this a horror movie or is this a you know yeah. drama? They're like silhouetted, you know, and it's like a black background, mm-hmm. and there's always one moment in the movie where it's like a wink and a nod, like, uh oh, he said I'll be right back. Oh no, that kind of thing. Like, uh huh. I get it, but I know it's hokey, but I just love it this time of year. And especially like it feels like it's taking place in a California winter. You know, like Drew Barrymore has got like her her sweater and her popcorn, but it's not like cold enough to where she's wearing a parka. That's nice. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's some iconic imagery too. When she was hanging from that tree, I honestly, when I when I first seen it, I thought she was like the main character. Yeah, right. So it's very much like Psycho because when I was a kid, I very vividly remember thinking. But wait, where's Drew Barrymore now? Like, is, are we going to a hospital? Like, did she, did she kind of pull through? <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. She does not pull through. Oh, well, I'm sure the people listening have already seen Scream a dozen times. Dude, I would love it if she was the killer in the next one they're going to do. That'd be fun. And she's like, you guys just fucking left me outside and it was cold and my guts were hanging out. I'm getting revenge. Uh, well, see, that's why I love the second one, because Roseanne's sister was the killer in that one. <laughs> Which is so, so yeah. good. I'm like, oh, I'm really very intimidated. Thank you. I'm I'm very scared of you. Yeah, it's like, who's the killer number two? Aunt Jackie. Yeah. But it also so- fit like one of my favorite things about Ghostface is that guy can't fucking not fall down and flop over himself, which makes it feel so much more real. You know, it's so mm-hmm. different than every other thing where it's like, I'm Michael Myers and I walk at exactly one step for every three gasping breaths of my victim and I still catch up, which, you know, luckily the Friday the 13th video game explained that he can just fucking teleport. But I digress. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's. Uh, yeah. I guess they'll save Halloween for another time. I could go on and on about that. I just watched part five again. Yeah, dude. Like, I really resent five for bastardizing the ending of four. I think that if if they had kept like rolling hard with what four was doing, I'm really into that idea. But then the whole curse of Thorn things gets deflating and whatever. Then you get to yeah. fucking Ant-Man kicking his ass and Buster Rhymes kicking his ass and him crying. And you're just like, oh, God damn it. Have some self-respect, Michael. Yeah, but the first thing about that movie, too, I mean, not to get off topic, but uh, it's just the beginning when he's going down that river and then that homeless guy yeah. puts him in his little shack and then at the bottom it says one year later. So the, he was in a coma for a year and they, what, the homeless guy was taking care of him. Is he wearing the same clothes? What did he eat? You know? like, oh, yeah. Fuck? So many fucking questions. The whole situation with the homeless guy was reshot, which is even weirder. But yeah, you're entirely right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, he doesn't have an IV drip in a bedpan. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it just elongated his mask, making it look like an alien. That's something I've always thought would be really fun with Michael Myers is, you know, because obviously Jason's mythology gets a little bit weird, but like expressing how haggard he gets and almost becoming inhuman. Um, you know, you're wearing a Pumpkinhead shirt. Like, I really love Pumpkinhead. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fucking fantastic series, and I don't think it gets enough credit. I think that the character and creature design is great. The mythology and lore that they create, you know, it's, it's especially great considering like, I'll never watch Jeepers Creepers again after that. Uh, certain individual from that film franchise turned out to be a certain special type of fucking creep. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you wish that there was something more like that with Michael Myers specifically. Because if you're already going to deviate, like the first one is great because Loomis is like, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just fucking evil. But then they kept adding and adding and adding. And so it's like, well, why not just add something like fun and cool? It's like, oh, I have to kill this family because I'm a druid or something. I don't even know. It's weird. 
Yeah, it got so ridiculous. I think that what made the first two scary was that he was just evil. Well, the second one, they say he's his sister, but uh, oh, well, I enjoyed the second one as well. Yeah, there's some of the shots are fun in it. And it's just it, it's a it's an area I like to be in. And then the third one, I mean, I like I still sincerely like Season of the Witch. And then four has its moments. It's the ending is the best part of that whole movie. Like I'll watch the whole movie just for that ending. And then you just have to turn your brain off and pretend that five doesn't happen and six doesn't happen and seven doesn't happen and H2O doesn't happen. And then I guess you can allow 2018 to happen, whatever, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I like Rob Zombie. I'm one of the few that likes Rob Zombie's ones. Both of them? Both of them. Yeah. (laughs) You're like a visual masochist, right? Like you will, you watch some bad stuff. Oh, I watch some bad stuff. Yeah. See, see part two, I know it's bad, but it's like an artsy style bad. And I think Rob Zombie knew that he's like, you know, I'm going to make a really nasty 16 millimeter, you know, violence porn with this one here. Cause you know, well, you've seen part two, you know, it's nonsensical. Yeah. And the thing that I don't like, I don't mind his art style, his visual storytelling and stuff. Like, I like Devil's Rejects. I like House of a Thousand Corpses, for Christ's sake. I just don't like what he does story structure. I don't like making mm. Michael the sympathetic, simpering little kid who's you know, pouty and fat. I was a simpering, pouty, fat kid with a mullet. I don't need to feel that. I'm just going to be angry and I'm going to resent this kid like I have my own self-loathing. I'm not going to root for him to scalp people. So that's really my biggest issue with it. I, there are people who've dissected those films to just like a perverse degree. I'm like, who fucking cares? You know, but I'm also a guy who liked Tusk. So I'm, I'll watch well, basically I, I, yeah. anything once. No, Tusk is great. I like Tusk. So Man, my wife actually sat through that and she always refers to it as that walrus movie. She, so it's basically the barometer. Like if I'll show her something she doesn't like, she goes, oh, it wasn't good. But at least it wasn't that walrus movie. And I'm like, yeah. You know, it's weird. It must hit women a different way, too, because I went to go see that at the uh, at the Arclights. They played it like the Arclight Cinema. And I went with Yahira and we watched it. And uh, I'm just like, OK, you know, it's decent. It's the walrus movie. But then Yahira, she cried at the end of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And then I, I noticed that, too. And then I talked to some other people and it's like the women are like, oh, the ending is so devastating. I was crying. I'm like, wait, what? You- wow. So, d- did, did I miss something? Like, uh, she's like, he had to live the rest of his life as a walrus and come to terms with himself. That's so poetic and beautiful. All right. So I, I, I'm like, I guess I missed something. I don't know. Don't show them the opening to the film Dogma then when you have Matt Damon talking about the carpenter and the walrus. I'd imagine they'd start crying hearing about the parable of Jesus and Ganesh. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Dogma's kind of a rare Blu-ray if you haven't seen on eBay. <laughs> Crazy, right? So. What the fuck? So odd. So, Doug, what are you talking about this week? So I got a little special treat for you guys. Something whipped up from a microwave. Ooh. And uh, this, yeah, this is one of my go-to movies and a, a little story behind it. This was one of the first rare VHS tapes that I bought back when I was in around, uh, I think, seventh grade when I first got an PayPal to buy stuff off of eBay. I hunted this down for a while and I finally found it and I ended up watching it over and over and over again. I'd have little parties uh, w- with my friends from school. They'd come over, we watched in the basement and everyone loved it. We'd go to school quoting the movie. That's awesome. And, uh, at the time, I was going to like a religious, uh, you know, elementary school and then seventh and eighth grade as well, too. And uh, yeah, people were quoting Microwave Massacre. So I all the lines it. from that film. <laughs> so, that's amazing. Yeah. So that's one of my uh, movies tonight. And it's available. Um, it's released through Arrow on Blu-ray. And then it's also on Tubi. So you can watch it on Tubi after you you know listen to this podcast. Please do. If I'm not mistaken, I don't mean to steal trivia from you if you're planning to talk about it. That's the last film of Jackie Vernon. 
Frosty the butt-fucking snowman's last film he ever did in his life was Microwave Massacre. So that's, it's film history, goddammit. It is, yeah. And the thing is, it was filmed, 19, I believe, 1978. Because it feel, it, you watch him like, man, this movie feels like a 70s movie. But it didn't come out until like 1982, 83 on, on video. Because I guess they said the audience didn't, uh, the distributors didn't know what kind of audience it was for. Yeah, I can um, imagine. Yeah, because here's the thing. If you go on Jackie Vernon's IMDb, it shows him. It says Dean Martin. Then it says Frosty the Snowman, Frosty Returns, and then Microwave Massacre. Oh, I love it. So, so that's one of the interesting things. And um, yeah, but it, like I said, it's it's a movie that I can watch over and over and over again. It's about 75 minutes, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. Once you watch it on and you you learn the jokes, it's kind of like a it's like a weird party. You can go back to it and quote. I'll even quote a whole scene from the movie here. Please so do. This is May. This is May going into the uh, kitchen. Have you seen the movie yet? Of course, of course, of course. I love this movie. The, two of my favorite horror posters of all time are Microwave Massacre 1 and 2. I've just always loved them. Like something about them, it, it's it like almost is like a, a grown-up version of a Goosebumps cover, the way that the art style is. And I just, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I don't think they've made Mass- Microwave Massacre 2 yet. I know the producer, Craig Muckler, wants to do something with it, but um, I'm, I'm there to support it. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so here, I, this is my nerdism for this movie. I've seen it so many times. So May's entering the house, pissed off with her holding the whole thing of groceries. Here we go. You ready for this? Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, Napoleon. I know you're hungry. Well, you can get ready for a feast. I don't know how he survived all that horrible food until I finally decided to do something something about my cuisine. We're much better off now, though. And if this marble does its job, <laughs> it will get even better. That classless jerk won't hold us back anymore. God, that's good. That's all in from memory. Sad, isn't it? No, it's a it's a beautiful <laughs> thing that you would remember that. You know, those things that just are like, inescapable in your brain. If you've been around any like sort of uh, Jewish moms or uh, um, kind of like you know, a, a husband and wife that don't get along with each other and are always bickering and arguing. Uh, this is like the perfect movie for you because when I watched it, this is the first time I've seen a horror movie that all the cast are adults and the main characters are uh, si- 65 and up. So you don't really see that. And uh, yeah, uh, Donald, uh, Jackie Vernon is hilarious in the movie. He has that very deadpan um, self-hatred, kind of like Rodney Dangerfield's humor. Well, didn't they consider having him in the film at one point? Yeah, they were going to have him, but I guess he wanted too much money. Yeah, I mean, the movie was made on a budget of less than 100 grand for the entire thing. So I don't I think that Rodney Dangerfield would charge quite a bit more than that because this would definitely have been like post Caddyshack. So he is an established superstar by that point. Yeah. But no, I mean, there's some great jokes in there. And uh, it's basically just an hour, an hour and 15 minutes of Jackie Vernon's uh, stand up. Essentially, yeah. it's mixed in with like a slasher comedy because the movie's not even that gory. The cover is a lot gory than the film, but the jokes are just like landing one after the other. Uh, another cool, great thing, too, is like the uh, it, the movie's so stupid because it's just a husband and wife. Uh, he works at a construction yard. He comes home and he gets mad at his wife because all day she cooks around the microwave and makes like, full, um, you know, just like, oh, here's the goat milk parum parisienne or like all these fancy meals. And he's like, darling, I just want a bologna and cheese sandwich. And so he ends up uh, killing his wife over just wanting a bologna and cheese and she keeps making things too too complicated. Well, I mean, wise. anybody who's ever listened to the band Suicidal Tendencies will tell you he just wanted a fucking Pepsi and this guy just wanted a fucking <laughs> sandwich. So I'm all about it. 
Oh yeah, it's great. And th- there's just a lot of uh, one-liners in this movie that, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Like it- it's overlooked just how funny it is. There's a scene where he goes to like his therapist after he realizes he likes uh, uh, how women taste in a microwave. So he's making food for himself and his friends at, at his job. And uh, he's like, oh, I feel so bad if I have sex with a woman, uh, then I have to eat her. And then the therapist is like, oh no, it's it's the 70s. It's good to eat out women. Come on, you, you know, keep doing it. So-, <laughs> so good. Cunnilingus jokes. They're not just reserved for Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Am I right? Oh yeah, well it's there's plenty of that in this one, and uh, just just a bunch of, like off. It's one of those movies you can watch again and again, and you pick something else new up from it. Yeah, very um, Blood Diner, which is what actually brought us together, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Blood Diner, and uh, yeah, there's so much going on in that movie too. Um, and that's another movie about cannibalism and uh, eating flesh, which you know, hey, hey, I guess you know, cannibalism movies have a good mix of humor and a lot going on. Hey, I will say this. That establishment is advertised as a vegetarian business, so I don't know what you're talking about. Cannibalism. Wink, wink. As vitamin C says, uh, you know, this th- their soup ain't fit to piss in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the director directed three things. This would be, of course, uh, Wayne Berwick. He did this. Attack of the B-Movie Monsters in 1985, and then didn't direct again for 20 years until he did The Naked Monster. Like, that is an incredible hiatus, which makes me really happy. It is, yeah. Well, I know, um, watching, like, the bonus features and stuff, his dad was a film director as well, too, so that's where he got some of, you know, the equipment and just the entry level into filmmaking. His dad directed The uh, the Monster of Piedras Blancas. I believe that one came out in the late 50s, early 60s. That's actually a... I watch it. That's a pretty creepy, and uh, there's some gore in that film, and that's a black and white film. And Wayne makes an appearance in it as the character Little Jimmy. He's a little yeah. boy. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah. So that's a little history on that there. And so it w- was written by Thomas Singer, who also did Malibu High, which was directed by Irvin Berwick, who was the dad of Wayne. So it's this cool little triangle that exists between them. Yeah. And the, uh, the one guy I met uh, in Ohio a few years ago, he was uh, Craig Muckler. He was one of the writers as well too. And then he acted in the film. So I got to meet him and I, uh, I kind of nerded out. I'm like, Oh my God, you're the, uh, you're lay neighbor in, in the movie. He has like a small role. He's, uh, he's having sex with like the neighbor, but he's wearing like this maid's outfit in this thong. Hell he yeah. Just stared at a, he just stared at him in the window and then, uh, Jackie Vernon comes out and he's like, Hey, I have some really strange neighbors. <laughs> and then his neighbor comes out with like a dildo and she's planting flowers with her dildo. <laughs> hey, I mean, you can find versatile uses for phalluses everywhere you go. Look at the microphone pointing at my face. It's a phallus, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you drill uh, Jeffrey uh, Gooden? Who's that guy that caught jacking off on Zoom? Oh, so- Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in terms of comparable media, we already compared it to a blood diner. Are there any other films that come to mind when you think Microwave Massacre? Yeah, there's a, another one that I really like is Motel Hell that kind of compares to it. Oh, so That's yeah. such an iconic poster, too. Yeah, it's just dark comedy at its best. You know what I mean? It's it's you know undertone. It's got its horror elements, but it's also very funny because uh, a lot of one-liners in that one too. Yeah, and it might sound like a weird comparison, so bear with me. But I all I think this movie has a very Psycho Three vibe. That was the one that was directed by Anthony Perkins, and it's that's the out and out slasher film. Everybody seems to like. The, you could always tell the armchair person who's like, "Oh, Psycho," you know, he's a slasher. It's like, no, not really especially not the first one particularly not the second one where he's 
is essentially the victim. But the third one, Psycho 3, is where it definitely has that like really campy, schlocky 80s vibe, and it feels very like in line with these. I don't think that they're directly related. It's just like that's where my mind always has put this film. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, kind of like the because uh, Psycho Three is very sleazy, from what I remember too. Like yes. everyone's sweaty and a lot of nudity, yep. and uh, a, a girl even dies on the shitter with blood like oozing out of her neck. I'm like, man, this is really fucking violent for a Psycho movie, right? And there's all these like weird gel colors, like in the lights. When like I've you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, this, it, it, there's nothing like this is not a Psycho movie, and that's one of the. It almost gets to the point of absurdity and parody, which is like this. It's like it's like a an absurdist approach to what a violent killer would do right and so maybe that's why i put them in there i don't even know yeah i could see that kind of like the um i like the shy guy that's like oh no what did i do what did i do and then he just keeps going back to his ways but yeah i I could see the comparison definitely in terms like the sleaze (laughs) and then obviously the comparisons there with slumber party massacre to a certain extent in just the visual cues the color palette and the time that it was released because i think it's 80 82, 83 with these two movies. So very much that same vibe. Yeah. And uh, it just feels very much like a, um, uh, you watch it again and it's like, man, this movie has, it's full of like disco porno music as well too. That's kind of like the soundtrack to it. But uh, yeah, I guess all in all, you know, this is when I like to watch October's as well too. I've seen it a bajillion times. So I could literally just sit there with it in the background. And I'll just quote it. So I guess you don't want to watch it with me because it would be kind of annoying. <laughs> Unless you're also quoting it. And that's one of the great things about movies like Bill and Ted, where you know, like you have friends who are like, I am obviously Ted. You are obviously Bill. When we watch the movie together, you do those lines. I do these lines and we move on. Like I, my wife's cousin, Austin, who I fucking love. He's a great, great guy. Whenever we watch Kung Pao and we've watched it a couple of times together, you know, we, we each see we've watched it enough with each other to know who's going to do what voice you know he'll be chosen one i'll be wimplo or you know like we'll do the ventriloquist or or you know evil betty and the guy without a toe that is tender so yeah i love those (laughs) kinds of things so if you can have that fraternal element it's always so cool i I wish that we had that more and that's one of the things with covid i'm like man when's the next time i'm just gonna watch a shitty movie with my friends Oh, yeah. No, I miss that so much, too. In fact, another great one, I guess I'll plug it, but uh, the New Art Theater in um, uh, out in L.A., yeah. like, that's one I miss, too. You'd, they'd always play like, cult movies at midnight uh, every Friday, and I miss it. The crowd was so much fun, and it's just, if you, you could relish in a, in a B-movie and, uh, you know, you get a crowd of people enjoying it, kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show nights. Fuck yeah. I remember seeing Hook there with my wife, and there was a guy dressed up in full Rufio regalia, and we were both just like, this is so exciting. And, you know, to get my wife to stay up to midnight, much less past midnight is amazing. So that's a great theater. New Bev is also great. New Bev is good mm-hmm. because it has reasonable show times. The problem is the clientele can be a little bit combative, as you may have heard from prior episodes of the show. But we're, we have fun there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've only been there once or twice. And what I remember, I mean, it was a cool theater. Have you went into the bathrooms there? Oh, yeah. I can't I don't know how anyone over 260 can fit through those doors. It's like a broom closet like this. I'm like, what the hell? I'm I'm getting claustrophobic in here. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's charming, but it's also so impractical and butt fucking annoying where you're like, God, I hate it. There's a two dollar theater. Well, I guess not two dollars anymore in Pasadena. It's like the exact same layout. And then I'd also be remiss when we're talking about independent theaters, the Frida Cinema down in Santa Ana. They mm-hmm. had hosted us when we did Arctic with our friend Tom Bocci, who's a badass pimp. 
and uh, they do great showings all the time of such like awesome movies and stuff. So when the pandemic's over, if they survive it, make sure to check out their calendar. And so I guess now's as good a time as any. Do you want to hear about my bullshit for this week? Yeah, let's lay it on us. So I'm talking about creepy crawlers. And this is this is exactly why I love the show and why I love branching out beyond just movies. I had no idea the rich legacy of creepy crawlers. Did you know that these fucking toys go back to 1964? I had no idea. I mean, I remember getting one for Christmas, but I thought it was just a 90s easy bake oven gag, you know? That's what I thought, too. Not true. So it goes all the way back. Mattel had a thing. It was a vacuum form device called the Thing Maker. Initially, it was in 1962. It was released as the Vacuum Maker, redone as the Thing Maker. And then it was competing with Kenner's Easy Bake Oven. And so there was the core unit, which you would buy. And then Creepy Crawlers ends up being one of the you know, peripherals. In 1966, they had done the Fright Factory, where you could make fangs and gross eyeballs and stuff. And at that same time, they did Creepy Crawlers, where you made your bugs. Now, this is a fucking terrifying toy. At the time, the version that you're dealing with, you had liquid plastics that you would inject into hot molds, right? So the first one is Mm -hmm. vacuum forming. The second one is literally taking a hot plate that would heat up to over 400 degrees Fahrenheit where you would shoot in plastics that would have a noxious aroma to make creepy crawlers. It is the most batshit fucking crazy thing I've ever heard of. So it's like you're eating toxic gummies, essentially. <laughs> exactly. And so, you I mean, uh, when you look at the packaging, I, it, it's so quaint because I, ha- I found a bunch of different ones because I thought it was so fun. And, you know, it's this like poindexter kid in a sweater vest. And nowadays, if you had this same fucking thing, it would be like, do not eat, do not consume, toxic, toxic, toxic. You know, you will burn your flesh alive. And here it's just like the entire box is like covered with little bugs. And it's so fun to think like, they could have put an extra warning, but instead they just drew one more cockroach on this box. But they're very, very <laughs> cool. Uh, you know, and it, what's so fascinating to me, like collector culture, I, I think that people, you know, you see it a lot in like the comic book industry. Like comics aren't worth shit anymore. New comics. Like since the 90s, I think I have like three comics since the 2000s that are worth over $100, which is nothing. But the the fact is, one of the things that makes those old consumer goods valuable is the fact they were never meant to last. Right? Like, think about it. It's the 60s. Why the fuck would you keep the box for your creepy crawlers? So there's like five perfect boxes that exist in California or like in the United States versus, you know, you have this complete oversaturation of modern stuff. Like your Funko Pop isn't worth fucking shit because there's 15 million of them. And so when you see these cool antiquities like the creepy crawler boxes, I just get excited and I, I will never own one. I never had one, but I just like it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I'm sure they have uh, some booth somewhere at Frankenstein's. They should have a creepy crawler set somewhere. And so they got re-released 1968 to 1970, which was an injector play pack. And so they had a new thing with injectable plastic pellets that were called plastics with an X because it's stream, I guess. And so you literally <laughs> push it down and it would ooze the plastic into the molds. Um, they had a bunch of different things. They had cowboys and Indians. They had Hot Wheels. They had custom tracks. They had all sorts of fun thing. And so that injectable thing didn't have creepy crawlers. 
And so that was kind of a bummer. The reason I mention this is because about 30 years later, they finally did an injectable creepy crawler set, which we'll get into. Now, mm. in 78, eight years later, they make the Thing Maker 2. And this used a plastic mold instead of a metal mold with a new plastic solution, which is supposed to be a lot less hot and awful and evil. Now, the version that you and I know is the Toy Max 1992 edition. And so Toy Max basically ripped off the Easy Bake Oven, just like you said. It's a fucking light bulb, and that's all it is. And they, what they did is they changed the plastic, not the cooking device, right? So you didn't have to cook it as high because that's just the way it was. Now, the thing itself was called the Magic Maker. And, you know, they borrowed a lot of just molds and everything from the originals, but they just reformed it in plastic. And so that's the kind of the iconic one that we had. Now, I never actually owned my own. I borrowed a friend's one weekend. I'll never forget. It was one of my favorite weekends in my life. I can still remember sitting in my dad's office and taking all of my broken G.I. Joe's. I mean, you know, I'm sure you had G.I. Joe's where the Mm -hmm. fucking thumb would break off and you couldn't hold the gun anymore. And you're like, ah, why? What I would do is I would take the goop and I'd put it on like the broken thumb and make it a bloody stump. And I'd put that in the little oven and I'd take it out. And guys who didn't have like the, the rubber band where the legs stopped working, well, I would take the legs and I'd fill it with entrails and tie a string basically of goop to the torso up inside of it. And um, it's the weirdest thing when my dad thought I had fucking problems as a kid. But that's <laughs> I never actually had creepy crawlers. I just mutilated and maimed my other action figures with it. So that was fun. Well, see, it beats going out to the store to have to get like super glue and stuff, you know, so you're being uh, economical. There we go. Super glues for pansies anyway, right? Only good to snort. Yeah. Or as liquid <laughs> stitches. Yeah. <laughs> so then in 1994, I guess from October 4th, 1994 to March 30th, 1996, you had the TV show, which was 23 episodes across two seasons. There was a 24th episode that wasn't released. Have you watched that show? I, I'm sure I have. I, all I remember is the theme song. Was it like creepy crawlers? So I, I was disappointed. I thought that it was. I had remembered it that way. That's just the commercial for the toy. The creepy crawlers cartoon intro, not as good, not as catchy, not as fun. Well, I, I've, like I said, I'm, I'm channeling back to my childhood and I still remember that, uh, that, that creepy callers jingle, but I know, I guess I, I guess I never really seen the show at all. It's, um, and I don't want to sound ableist at all. Uh, it's dumb tarted. Mm-hmm. So it's about a kid who's like working in a magic shop and he's trying to be the best magician. And so he makes his own magic maker. <gasps> wow. Product placement. Yay. <laughs> and he puts some goop in and the monsters come out. And so he gets and it's so weird because these like humanoid anthropomorphic guys show up and he's like, oh, wow, you're big bugs. And I'm like, they're, they're like people, dude. They're just purple or whatever. But that's neither here nor there. And then the guy who owns the shop is a curmudgeon who wants to be the best magician. So he uses it for evil. And the good guy fights them with these creepy crawlers. Now, here's the fun gimmick, Doug. Do you like hourglasses? I do like hourglasses. Then this is your show. Because our superheroes are basically just hourglasses. If you remember the action figure... You could see they had a transparent stomach and there would be goop and it would pour from top to bottom. And the way that you recharged the guys is you held them upside down and the goop went back up to the top. Then they were ready to kick ass. So they stand up and they fight. And as they fight, it drips down to the bottom. You flip them over again. And Mm. I remember even as a kid thinking that 
super stupid. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, did not age very well when I rewatched a few episodes for this. Uh, well, at least, I mean, did you find them off YouTube or did you have them on yeah. DVD somewhere? You okay. have to. Saban Entertainment never actually released it in any other fashion. So you have to find it pirated on the internet. And, you know, the quality is complete dog shit. You can barely get 480 uh, DPI. And one of the things that's super fun about this show is if you look at the advertisements for everything, it's it didn't exist. Like, so they released an action figure line that was 12 action figures, right? And then there were like there's the the Guzuka assault vehicle. And here's the great thing: there was a quote unquote creepy crawlers action figure playset, which was depicted in a 1994 Toy Max toy booklet. Never actually gets made. So just having that booklet is apparently a collector's item because it advertises something that never happened. So somewhere there's a guy who loves these stupid hourglass action figures with the bluest of balls thinking about this playset that never was. All right, well, um, if you, we get your hands on it, let me know. I yes. like to make photocopies. <laughs> right. And just slap that on a wall for all of 25 cents and call it a day, right? Yeah, it's like that guy. For, I can imagine he's like that guy from South Park with the World of Warcraft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, a very vivid image and an aroma come to mind while thinking about that person. Yeah, roast beef. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. So then in 2001, Toy Max does their version. And then from there, Jack's Pacific purchased it. And they're the ones in the 2010 who did the injectable molds, which it was trying to be very campy and stuff. But by 2010, kids were already playing fucking Nintendo Wii and all that bullshit. So this yeah. wasn't going to happen. So Mattel tried another thing maker in 2016. Uh, which was officially canceled in 2019, that was actually kind of the coolest part about this. They were going to mass produce a 3D printer for kids that was supposed to be cheap and to teach them to do coding and other technological things to do their creature creation. But ultimately, it was too complicated and everything, so they stopped and it wasn't cost effective. But man, mm. like think about how rad that would be and how innovative. Um, unfortunately, it didn't come to be, but there's, you know, kids are going to be spending a lot of time indoors for a while. So you might as well try and find something for them to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to learn to code. Uh, I mean, now that's like, if you learn to code, that's going to be very uh, good for you in the future, especially if you're at home a lot now. Yeah. You so. make your own hours, you make your own you know, economy at that point. Yeah. But man, a 3d printer, a cheap 3d printer, that would have been nice. I probably would have bought one myself. Yeah. Right. And so in 2018, Paramount Pictures said they were working on a film adaptation, and the producers were listed as Neil H. Moritz, Mark Gervitz, and Toby Asher. Uh, Steve Berman, who's the chairman and CEO of Jack Specific, was supposed to be the executive producer. No update on that at all. And something tells me that this is not going to happen, and if it does happen, it is not going to be good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, you never know. I mean, it could turn into another Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, I don't know if that movie's really good itself, but uh, I could see it making some box office money. They released it in like a week before October, you know, or uh, Halloween. Yeah, it could be some cool. You never know. It's possible. But like, here's the thing. There's no story. You know, it's just like that movie Battleship. We're like, OK, it's based on a board game, but the board game didn't have a narrative. So what am I doing here? Yeah, just in name only. I could see. Well, I mean, m me personally, I would love if they made Creepy Crawlers kind of like a movie, like uh, they like the just a full length movie, or like the cockroach segment from Creep Show. Okay, 
Um, or uh, there's a movie called The Nest, too, which uh, yeah, that dude. was pretty interesting. Yeah, the cockroaches take on the form of humans. Which so. is like Mimic, which is another episode we had on the show with the worst audio ever. But here's a fun one. Tell me, tell me what you think. Uh, we do it in the style of evolution with David Duchovny and Orlando Jordan. Orlando Jones? Orlando Jones. It's a possibility. Did you I like that see. movie? Are you, you seem reluctant. Uh, evolution, right? Yeah, the one it's, where the aliens land and they kill them with uh, head and shoulders. Yeah, oh, I, it's been so long since I've seen it. I remember renting it from the library when I was younger. All I remember is that some guy's hand gets bitten off by like this pug alien. Yes. That's all I remember. So. It's delightful. It super holds up. The cartoon show that came after it sucks, and so does the Game Boy Advance game. I know way too much about it, so let's move on. Basically, the last thing I had to say about creepy crawlers is patty-goop.com, P-A-T-T-I-G-O-O-P. I did not get paid to publicize this website. I just really enjoy that it exists. So it has a very cool archive of basically each and every mold that ever came out and a history of the thing maker and a history of creepy crawlers. And what they do, they actually manufacture their own plastigoop to this very day that you can buy for your molds. It's just super cool that this person was industrious enough to like pay homage to something they love and to do something and provide basically a service for all these people who like otherwise would, I guess, just be like melting the little tab things from the bread, you know, that never quite fit. And then like the teeth are broke. So you just break that into pieces and you inject it with your heroin syringe into a hot plate. That's what I imagine people were doing before the plastic goop thing came out. Well, I mean, you never know. What's that stuff they use for shrinky dinks? They couldn't do something like that, I don't think. Yeah, right. So I remember that too, shrinky dinks. <laughs> yeah, sticking. I mean, I don't know. Well, that's good. There is she now. Is this person making it in a factory or is it like homemade? So stuff? It's, that's actually a really cool part of it. It comes from the same manufacturer that Mattel used in the 60s, but it's reformulated from the 2018 to comply with the new federal regulations. So you're literally like, it's part of the history of it, but also you're not likely to get cancer or cross-eyed because of inhaling the fumes. Well, I mean, at least in California, everything's going to give you cancer. You see that sticker everywhere. So. Oh, man. It's crazy, <laughs> right? Have you ever heard that they can tell a John Doe in other states when they're dead if they do an autopsy? Because you can look at the lungs and see how like charred and awful our respiratory systems are from the smog? I uh, Well, I know now I can imagine that. I mean, have you seen how foggy and smoggy it's been recently in the yeah. mountain area? And this is supposed to be after we've had like a lot less carbon emissions. But, you know, global warming's fake. No big deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did he say? It'll cool down. I guarantee it. Well, It'll thing, cool down. What drives me fucking nuts. You, If you're a fan of this show and you legitimately think global warming is a fucking myth, have you heard of cancer? Well, you certainly don't want to breathe in carbon monoxide and all that other shit, too. So get a, a stupid little hybrid like I have. Give up your man card and just deal. But whatever. Yeah, they, you got to drive around your uh, what I I call it the uh, the guys with big dicks always drive those big trucks around. They've got the uh, the dicky shorts, the Oakley sunglasses, the uh, the 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 wife beater, and they're like, yeah, bro, yeah, you like this truck? Two miles to the gallon, yeah, bro. Now, are you saying that so, they've got the wife beater or they are the wife beater? Because I think both are true and correct statements. 
either or whoever has the most monster cans on their floor uh yeah know. right god how many monster tattoos have you seen in your lifetime i'm like i'm sorry what oh yeah well i mean go to lake elsinore or go anywhere in the midwest so. <laughs> oh it's so true it's sad uh also i will i will take your oakley's front ways and i will raise you the rare dude bro who wears the oakley sunglasses on the back of their head not on their neck, not on a leash, but puts them around the back of their head as if that's somehow not the hokiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and his name's Kyle. Yeah, right. <laughs> or sorry, producer Chad or Chad. Yeah, Chad. Well, I haven't seen many Chads lately. Like usually when I think of Chads, they're like the uh, uh, what's Trump's son? Hey, I'm Baron Trump. Or, or like that big kind of uh, two front teeth where he always sticks it up. That kind of buck tooth yeah. idiot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a Chad. Or you put the sweater around your neck. So we so. grew up with a band called Asshole Assassination Squad, which had a song called Chad's Must Die, which is specifically about dude bros. So that's always like, I, I think of Chad and I'm like, you're, but you're not a Chad. And he's like, well, that's my name. I'm like, well, not to me. You're producer Chad, which somehow is its own special breed of human who is not riding in a lifted truck. <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah yeah last time i see him there, there was no uh lifted truck now what would you do if he came by he's like hey come, let's hang out how do you like my uh, elevated wheels my monster truck size wheels on this on this uh ford pickup <laughs> i would pay money to see chad get into a car that size <laughs> uh, well and he's like here here's an open monster for you it's open container oh god that's just so uh. cringy so doug i'd like i'd like to do an exercise if we can with our remaining time on the show Let's i would like to combine our two films and do a sales pitch to whomever is in the film industry waiting for the next great idea i would like to propose the thing maker massacre can you help me brainstorm a plot I can, yeah. Thingmaker Massacre. All right, you want to start or you want me to start? I let let's you start and then I'll snowball off of that. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll go in some dark places here. So a guy, he's got a little hoodie over his head. He's depressed. It's a rainy night. And uh, he just found out he was diagnosed with AIDS. So what's he going to do? Well, he's got a 3D printer and he, uh, he happens to know a lot about patents. So he makes this machine. But what he's going to do is only make 100 in the county. And he's using his own blood um, as the goo filled wow. with AIDS to get revenge on society that's done him wrong. And, and so uh, our hero is a phlebotomist named Rachel, who is a virgin who teaches kids safe sex. And oh, no, no, no. She doesn't teach them safe sex. She teaches abstinence only education, which is a fucking farce and doesn't work. And through this movie, the uh, character progression we have with Rachel as she sees all of her friends brutally die and uh, it become eviscerated is that she learns that abstinence only education doesn't work it's about safe sex mm -hmm. and yeah with the power of condoms it puts an end to this thing maker massacre because now it's coming to life and uh, just killing everyone who's using the uh the blood <laughs> so. yeah and i also just love the idea of a montage kind of like you know that like some girl running around to like household to household finding the thing maker and then like putting a condom on the syringe as the kids playing with it looking at him like what are you doing and then just like running off to the next house and doing it all over again with some like 80s jam yeah and i can see that it's like sponsored by uh oh what's uh what i haven't bought condoms in a while what, what what's uh durex, durex there we go like the movie sponsored by durex like mac and me was sponsored by mcdonald's yeah so. uh, mcdonald's and skittles as opposed to reese's uh whoops missed opportunity there 
<laughs> yeah, man. I think that we have a winner here. I mean, I don't want to count our chickens before they hatch, but uh, also I think it needs one of those classic 80s attempts at a hip hop like theme for the credits. So if any of our fans uh, have free time at a beatbox recording extravaganza, I would really love the Thingmaker Massacre title card. I will make you the hidden track on the next episode. I butt fucking pinky swear. Mm, well, that's a mighty good promise for all you viewers out there. So if you're musically inclined, please do make that theme because we got to pitch this one. I, I could see it, uh, you know, advertised at Sundance and the trailers have like some 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 guy sitting in a bathtub playing a flute and uh, it's playing that uh, clapping music. You know that you see like, uh, yeah. you know, eternal sunshine and yeah, it could win lots of awards. So yeah, if the Joker can get like a fucking 20 minute standing ovation, we could do that with this. This is a solid enough idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As long as we can resurrect a G.G. Allen to play the main villain, you know, that would be. Ooh, that's great casting. Now, who do we cast as Rachel the Virgin? Mm. I've always had Aubrey Plaza in mind. She could play that pretty deadpan. Have you heard or have you seen Ingrid Goes West? Uh, I haven't. No, it's really good. It's, you know, it's a very simple, fun premise that goes in some places where you're like, wow, that guts actually some good social commentary, which I appreciate. And it's got Kurt Russell's son, Wyatt, uh, the guy, the best looking guy with an underbite I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, I'll have to check it out then. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. If it's anything like, uh, have you ever seen the, 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 uh, the Todd Solentz movie happiness? No, I don't think I have. Mm, well, I'm not even going to talk about it. If, if you viewers have seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh, it's it's like such an artsy movie and the advertising makes it looks nice. And it's actually one of the most disturbing movies I've seen. And it's supposed to be like a Sundance, uh, you know, little lighthearted comedy. And it's uh, it's up there with like Salo and uh, what's another one on there? Serbian film. I'm like, ooh, that's uh, holy that's, shit. Extreme film. Fuck that. That sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's an NC-17 movie, but it was advertised um, when Little Miss Sunshine came around. I remember seeing that. I'm like, oh, this movie looks interesting. And I rented it from the library. And I'm like, what the f- I feel like I got raped. <laughs> oh, man. That's awful. Yeah, so, so track it down if you need to. <laughs> also, if you would like your own shirt for the Magic Maker Massacre, please let us know. It's slasherspod at gmail.com. I would love to design one and put it on your titties. Doug, also, aside from this show, hosts Friday Night Action on B-Movie TV, which you can check out every Friday night at 8.30, 8 o'clock? Which, 8 o'clock. Um, it's, it, it starts at 8 o'clock. And then Jake also appears on some episodes, too. Um, he's going to be on the last episode before. Be- for Halloween, so on the 30th, Jake will be on that episode hosting the 8 o'clock movie, and we can't say what it is until it airs, but um, yeah, if you guys listen to it, we're going to be doing a show Friday at 8, it's Friday Night Slashing right now, and this week we're showing Sadistic Eroticism, which is a film I made back in college, and it's sadistically erotic, if you like Sophie D and porn stars and overweight janitors. Uh, and then uh, if you guys have a Roku, download B-Movie TV because then you could watch Pervy the Clown at midnight. So, And you're also on the on-demand section. So just, of mm-hmm. course, it's the it's exciting to watch live and, as things debut, but I know that things happen as a father of two and as a guy who has fucking everything going on at all times. Uh, I'll admit, I've had to watch Doug on the on-demand section on Saturday morning, and it was still well worth the experience. So do check that out. For some reason, Roku has that as a second app so you have the b-movie tv and then you have b-movie tv on demand so that's what i would recommend 
Yeah, and the first episode on there was the Coven, with, and that's the one with Jake. So, yeah, if you watch it on demand, I believe there's only two or three episodes on there right now. Because, yeah, it, it, it's weird because the channel has rights to show them. Some movies that we show are only able to be viewed live, and then the other ones uh, he didn't sign a contract for to have on demand, so it's only available live at certain points. Gotcha. That makes sense. And so you can find Doug at, at Doug Bizarro on Instagram. You can find me at Gacy Jones. Uh, I would just like to say a special thank you to our Patreon patrons. I know money is tight for everybody. I know the election is going on and classically people don't spend money around this time because they're spending it on ammunition and dry goods. Uh, Thank you for your continued support. We really, really appreciate it. Now that I have Doug and Adrian on board, we're looking to do a lot more fun stuff. Uh, Doug and I are talking about live streaming things and we want to make sure that you're getting your money's worth. And also we want to foster the community because our Patreon, I mean, our group chat, Doug and I can both attest is always a great place. And, uh, you know, I just really, truly enjoy you as people, even your generous contributions aside. So uh, with that being said, I'm Jake, that's Doug, and I'd like to say goodbye and good die. Good die. All right. I am Cyber Slash 1000. I am replacing Jake on the Hidden Tracks segment of the show. Because seriously, fuck that guy. This week's band is Lee the Ann. They fucking rip so hard, bro. The song is Basiphobia and it slaps harder than my robo nuts against your dad's butt cheeks. Find them basically everywhere, but the easiest place is LeeTheAnnBand.com. Just click the link in the description, butt munch.